Good evening, you're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Kuma, and tonight I'm joined by Alex Days from Umtombo Wealth and Grant Nader from Benguela Global Fund Managers to unpack your stock-related questions. Be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email us at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. Quite a high that markets are on today. Uh, of course, after kind of a shaky start to the week, um, we did have red screens when we closed before uh, the Women's Day holiday yesterday, but now markets seeming to have turned around. Even the rand actually was uh, about knocking at that 19 rand level against the US dollar before the holiday, now just above 18 rand, 70 against the US dollar. Starting with you, Alex, uh, what can you say about those gains that we are in the markets right now it's good evening um yeah so today i mean we saw dominantly uh industrials and financial doing quite well in the resource space uh, palladium uh, was up quite materially so that was all that led to pgm counters having a strong rally and of course energy stocks also did quite well you know based on what we're seeing in the lng gas markets in the moment so that obviously has impact on oil as well as impact on on other Energies like like coal, so like together, Sasol having a very strong day, Xara, as well as some of the commodities. So, um, yeah, I mean, yet today the market has been very strong, and it seems to be that it remains to be the case. Um, we obviously saw inflation numbers in the US slightly better than expected, but I won't read too much into that. But that does have an impact on, on sentiment, and then as a result, if we risk on or risk off. Yeah, all right. Well, Alex saying that, saying that he's not reading too much into that inflation print uh, grant. Uh, would you say the same or does this uh, kind of increase expectations of uh, the Fed kind of being less aggressive when it comes to monetary policy? And uh, yeah, how much of the, uh, that is responsible for the gains that we are seeing in the markets today? Well, <clears throat> I think Alex made a fair point and I don't think there was enough in that print to say Oh, it's all clear. It's going to change the Fed's mind. But the market is one to to just take the the positive at the edge and and run with it, you know, and probably wake up tomorrow and then think more carefully about it. So uh, certainly on the day, the sentiment that you know some of the global indices like the Nasdaq were down four percent coming into today recently. So there has been some selling pressure, and this little bit of positive news has just given the market a bit of a boost. It doesn't change the picture fundamentally. I hundred percent agree at this point. Uh, all right. Uh, well, just as we're talking, Alex, you were talking about uh, some of the energy stocks um, uh, gaining on the day. We did see one that um, uh, some of our viewers ask uh, a lot about sometimes, Montauk uh, Renewables. Um, of course, not uh, one that a lot of analysts look at um, with assets in the U.S. It did uh, have uh, its uh, half-year numbers out today. Uh, but also there was an announcement that they made on a facility that they are uh, building in uh, is it North Carolina and saying that they have agreements with uh, Duke uh, Energy. Of course, that facility should be ready by 2025. And they were saying, uh, you know, talking about the benefits that that will bring into terms of bringing a renewable electricity to households and businesses there in North Carolina. Is this one that you look at, uh, what are you making of it at, at this point? Yeah, so for those that are familiar with, with Montauk, you know, it's a renewable energy company, um, really specializing in the conversion of biogas into renewable international gas, RNG. You know, so um, so this particular, they've got about 15, I think, of plants over the US, and now this, today's announcement was about swine biogas they're going to have a project in that regard 
Now, it does get a little bit more complex because within the U.S. space, um, you know, you've got to refer to the renewable fuel standard. That is the policy that has been introduced, I think, about 20 years ago, really to force uh, the mixture of, re of renewable gas with normal petroleum and so forth. So then as a result, you get a credit for that. And as well as that are referred to as RINs. And these RINs can then be traded and sold and so forth. So there's a whole market that is created based on this renewable energy concept using biogas. Um, so I'm still trying to get to grips with it. I'm trying to look at the business a bit more detail. I try to understand how exactly the rent pricing works uh, and so forth. But it is quite a unique opportunity, something that's completely that happens in Africa. Um, and, and if you do believe that, you know, this is an area where, where the world's going to move more towards more in it, then Montauk certainly does look interesting. But it's still in the early days of, of, of it's about to make a look at the financial statements or results that at least today, it's, I mean, they're still loss making. Uh, the business is still cash flow negative at the moment. So it's all about really believing in longer-term trends. Uh, the share price, of course, has been a phenomenal story since it was uh, unbubbled out of Hoskin. So it's been an incredible value creator from, from that perspective. But it's predominantly held in, in uh, by one or two key shields as well as offshore. So the free flow is not great for local institutional investors. But certainly a very interesting business. And I think one that if you're interested in that theme, look into it, do your homework, and then decide if you want to get involved. But it's it's not it's 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 quite complex to some extent to understand some of the dynamics in the business. Yeah, quite interesting actually talking about that uh, those share price movements. It has been good, but today we did see it up more than five percent. But quite surprising to look now that it's up uh, about uh, zero point one percent. Is Grant still with us? Because there is a question that I meant specifically for him. Of course, he doesn't look at Montag Renewables, but he does look at Core Potash, or can maybe give us a high level uh, comment on that. But we did just lose them. Uh, just going to other questions, uh, Alex. There's quite an interesting um, question here on rebalancing and uh, whether it is a good or bad idea. Um, is it a good idea to sell my gains and redistribute by beefing up my weaker holdings? My dilemma is this. On the one side of the coin, I am using gains to bolster my position in weaker holdings and hence I'm doing some rebalancing of my portfolio. On the other side of the coin, I am diluting my winners by doing this and shouldn't one let the winners keep on running? Of course, uh, Grant, I will also direct this question to you, but Alex, uh, yeah, rebalancing, uh, taking some of your gains, selling some of your gains and distributing them to beef up your weaker holdings. How does that sound? I think the viewer pretty much answered the question himself, uh, coming to the conclusion that you should keep on your winners. Yeah. If you look at some of the most successful investors um, globally over time, it tends to be those ones that keep their winners and sell their losers instead of doing the opposite of selling your winners and buying the losers, right? So, yes, there are times where you have to, you have to admit I've got something wrong mm. and I have to take my losses or, or perhaps I've made ex, you know, above expected profits and I can recycle a little bit back in other opportunities. But in general, if you've got a high-quality business that's got excellent long-term fundamentals and it's done very well for you and there's, and there's no real reason to sell it, um, in that case. So also you must remember the transaction costs, the tax implications, all of these things plays a role in that rebalancing. So, uh, and also if you continuously rebalance by selling your winners and selling your, and buying your losers, you're technically reducing the quality of your portfolio as well as even increase the risk and perhaps reduce the total return potential, right? Mm. Professional investors obviously tries to take some profits and recycle that money and so forth. And, you know, most professional investors got a hit rate of, let's call it 60%. So it's very, very difficult in order to do that on a consistent basis. So for most, 
you know, non-professional investors, I would certainly suggest that you keep most of your winners and, and, and if, there's, if there's a good situation, then perhaps you can consider recycling, but don't mm. be too, try to be too clever and be too active. Yeah. And I mean, uh, this is a quite an interesting topic because um, a, a viewer a few weeks ago said, um, you know, why why don't we talk more about uh, trading opportunities? So I kind of even get this whole thing of maybe taking some profit. But uh, Grant, what are you making of, uh, you know, the, the viewer saying that, um, you know, how's about I sell some of my gains? Um, and redistribute to beef up my weaker holdings. Is this a good idea, or do I just keep the money in the winners? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's quite clear that you need to. A great company is a company that can consistently deliver good returns over long periods of time. And the only way you're going to benefit from that is by holding it for a long period of time. If you're always selling it the moment it does well and buying hoping you'll buy it lower some other time, you often miss out on the beauty of that long-term compounding effect. If you see a, a good company that's trading a relatively cheaper or it's maybe a cyclical, as we saw this SA stocks a couple of months ago were trading dirt cheap, then by all means, you know, take a bit of profit out of something that's done really well and actually is trading expensive, as long as you're buying something of reasonably similar quality that's trading cheaper. Don't downgrade the quality of your portfolio by selling the good companies and buying bad ones. You know, mm. so it depends on how you implement the strategy. It, it, it can work if you're doing it uh, in terms of the right mix in your investments. Uh, but if you're just selling high to, to think you're going to buy low and, and sell high again, as Alex said, you'll end up worsening the quality mm. of your overall holdings and, and you can end up, you know, you'll end up having much poorer long-term returns by doing that. Uh, all right. Well, uh, just before, and, uh, yes, 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 Grant. I was just going to say, if, you, if you're feeling the need to trade and to be busy, then allocate a small amount of capital to trade and just mm-hmm. trade with it. You know, buy and sell and, you know, chase the dips and, and that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and, and take the, the need to be busy out of your core long-term portfolio. Uh, to save you a lot of money and, and churning over the long term. Ah, uh, All right. I hear you on that. Of course, before uh, you left us there for a little bit, I was going to ask you about core pot ash. Um, yeah, as we discussed, uh, Alex was going to comment on Montauk and you were going to comment or maybe give us a high level comment <laughs> on core pot yes. ash. So the, uh, the question goes, uh, do you have a view on the long term prospects of fertilizer considering the recent supply interruptions in Europe? Uh, there's a small cap stock called the Core Potash on the JC that has finally got its project off the ground, with uh, more good news to possibly follow regarding the other deposits. Its other deposits in Congo, is it worth a punt for a potential multi-bagger? Should everything go to plan? Okay, uh, I'll just be upfront. I cannot talk about the company. You know, yeah. with any mining company, there's a lot more involved than just the product they're mining. Yeah, you can lose money on a great product or great commodity. But potash, as a you know, fundamentally, it plays in the fertilizer and and food production essentially, and that is a really vital industry. Um, I think food inflation is an issue we're having globally. There has been a shortages of fertilizers and and other food inputs that are critical to increased food production. I think you know, on a long term structural level, there's going to be sustained demand for this kind of product. Uh, we need to grow the output and and production. We're seeing disruptions in the likes of the Ukraine with food supply, you're seeing rust shortages at the moment. So there's a general need globally, and I don't think it's going away. The world's not getting any smaller. Population growth is continuing. And and something that can support that uh, yield output in terms of food production should be fundamentally a good story. 
As for the company itself, I, I can't comment, I'm yeah, afraid. Yeah, uh, all right, all right. Um, Alex, just as, uh, you know, going back to your uh, point on the energy stocks today, uh, commodity counters um, seeing gains today, there's a specific one on Tungela. What is the reason for the 8% increase in the share price? Any specific uh, reason or reason that is specific to Tungela here? Yeah, so the renewable gas prices, I think it's up, one remember, 16 or 24% month to date. So it's been up very, very strong. Yeah. month of that obviously coal you know prices tends to follow that so i mean and we've seen the coal prices as well had a quite nice jump um today as well as the last if you take the last 10 or so days it's been quite up as well so yeah just a function of energy prices in general going higher oils as well is getting higher so that has this feeding through to tungela tungela is obviously very highly geared to to the rand coal price um so and it's Relatively attractive from a valuation perspective, we're really assuming what your views on on coal price. Yeah. But you know, if the coal does make some sort of recovery, then the other could be very interesting. You know, uh, if, mm. if coal continues to, to to go down, then yeah, they will see massive deratings uh, into Gala. So it's a it's a tough one, but predominantly follows been happening in the energy markets globally in the month. Uh, Grant, would this be a good opportunity mm. to go into Tungela looking at the fact that uh, the, the 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 share price is still under pressure or is it uh, a little bit complicated? Yeah, it's not as simple as that. It's entirely dependent on the coal price um, and the coal price is being is dependent on many other factors, one of which is, as Alex said, other, other sources of energy such as gas. Oil has had a very strong recovery of its lows at around 67. It's rallied, I think, more than 20% of that low. So it, it does look like energy as a complex is, is trying to bounce a little bit. But really, if you think we're going to see further slowdown in the global economy, um, you know, it doesn't generally bode well for energy as, as, uh, in terms of energy prices. So you're taking that, you know, very cyclical and macroeconomic risk. Uh, as for the company itself, it's a very good operator. You know, they do the very best with the opportunities. They have high grade coal, they export, um, into Europe. And, you know, so if you have a view on coal, um, you know, by all means, buy some Tungela, but just be aware that uh, it's not in their control. These miners are very much at the whim of what the underlying commodities are doing. Ah, all right. Uh, well, since uh, we are talking about commodity companies, there is a question here on some more commodity companies. Um, the investment case for the following Anglo-American, the parent company, South 32, Glencore. Is it prudent to hold uh, all of these companies? If not, which one sticks out to invest in now? Alex? Yeah, so obviously they've got different uh, mixes, right? So Anglo-American, let's start with that one. So quite big in iron ore, got platinum, it's got diamonds, you know, so it's got copper. Um, so those are the type of commodities that they are benefit on. So the nice niche from them is compared to other divisible miners like Lincoln and Southway too, is they've got diamonds, which is, you know, the only ones where they've got the mines, the And then they've got uh, PGS, which is predominantly Anglo-Plats, right? So you must have some form of idea of favorite into those assets longer term right so uh from anglo-american to make for you sense uh, but of course much more aligned um to copper as well as um iron ore and they're also trying to make a bit of a bet on, on nickel um long term but ideally that will be like five or ten percent it's not really going to move the needle that much south Two also got a little bit different so it's more in zinc and aluminium uh, alumina so it's got and, uh, and they're also trying to be more focused for uh, I guess new energy and minerals for the future type of, of strategy. So he wasn't referring to Bellatan, he was referring to Glencore. Yeah. Glencore is the same, more on copper. 
uh, and they are obviously look, perhaps looking to get rid of their coal assets as well. So that, that potential corporate action that we spoke about in the past is still on the table. And if you look at the announcement, Glencore K, it was yesterday, so they're actually holding $2 billion back for that potential deal. Uh, they want a business, they want to buy in Canada. So, yeah, that, that those are dynamics at play there. So they are quite a different mix. Mm. Um, so it depends on what you think it is. Um, PGN, for me personally, I, I'm a little bit on the cautious side. So for me, Anglo-American is not my preferred. I do have a preference for, for Glencore. And we are lukewarm on South 32. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's simply our firm's view. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, really interesting insights there. Luke Holman, South 32, cautious on uh, P- PGMs, which would mean that uh, maybe Anglo-American isn't your cup of tea at the moment, uh, favoring Glencore. Uh, Grant, of course, just looking at um, the, the, the different uh, uh, metals and minerals that they're all focused on, Hmm. Would it be a good idea to diversify through all of them, or is there one that sticks out for you? Well, funny enough, you would actually get some diversification by owning, as Alex said, they do actually have different predominant metals in terms of their earnings. Yeah. The one I, I probably like the least um, in term, at the moment is Anglo-American. I think the challenges around PGM are very real, and potentially China's uh, infrastructure and property market challenges are not going away. But be that as be that as it may, I, I like Glencore. If you ignore the governance issues or concerns that some people have, and we are one of them, I think its comp- its suite of metals is very favourable in terms of capturing a lot of the the renewables or the the, the future metals, if you like, as Alex was saying. Uh, and on top of that, they've got a very strong trading arm, so they actually have quite a good diversification of earnings, um, where they make money out of market volatility and or trading in the metals that they mine. Um, so it's a third source of income or another source of income outside of just the mining and sales. Um, and, and South 32 has a reasonable suite of metals as well. Um, it's probably one I like less than Glencore. Uh, and, and it's a different, it's got a similar suite of metals, but it has less quality than Glencore does. So I would rank Glencore number one. Anglos as a very different play. Mm. Uh, and South, South 32 is a second behind Glencore in, in terms of similar metal uh, contacts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Very, very interesting there. Uh, let's move on to financial services. Um, this one is on Sunlum and 91. I've held these two stocks, um, 17% of my onshore and offshore portfolio for more than a year and happy that they are now both in the green. Too much overweight on these two stocks? Or just hold Sunlum and ninety one, Alex. Yeah, I, I like both businesses. I think they're pretty much market leaders in their respective industries if you look as far as African perspective. So Sunlum is by far our most preferred as African life insurance uh, company. Um, it's not as attractive as it was beginning of the year. I mean, the stock has been very, very uh, up, up in almost thirty percent year to date. Mm. It's trading close to its embedded value. Now, with the new if 17 changes coming in for life insurance companies, it should actually benefit some of them uh, because they've got before them the, the, uh, the most conservative accounting measures they use. So if anything, they're actually going to see benefits in their financial metrics. We're going to see finan- quite deterioration in the likes of momentum and specifically discovery. Um, so I think that's that business will probably get more favor over time, but let's call it the easy management made on some of them. Um, 91 is still attractive relative to its global peers. Um, I think it's trading at about 1.2% of its price to Azadan management, which is, compared to its history, quite cheap and compared to its peers, quite cheap. Now, the recent result hasn't been great at 91. There's been some net outflows and so forth, but they've got a phenomenal management team. 
excellent uh, investment team. And we would back them that they should be able to get through this down cycle. And if you are willing to hold on for, let's call it at least medium term, I think 91 will do well. But must remember also 91 is a function of global markets. So if you are concerned that we're going to have a global recession and we're going to see a big sell off in equities and, and bonds and so forth, then buying as a management firm is not necessarily the best idea because I've got high beta to the market. But the longer you hold, then it removes that risk, right? So you have to have a, a longer term view when you buy these as management companies compared to some other stocks. Um, so yeah, I think that pretty much sums up my nose to business. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just, uh, you know, specifically what the viewer asked as well. Um, Alex does like them both, but um, yeah. the viewer is asking, am I too overweight? Do I hold or maybe sacrifice one of them or both, mm. Grant? Uh, I think no matter what stock you named, I would say just be careful of being too overweight. Mm. Um, 17% for two stocks is is a decent position. Uh, it probably makes sense to take a little bit out of that and put it into some other quality businesses. So you've got the best in the sectors. As Alex said, Sunlam is probably the best insurer. 91 is a very good asset manager. A lot of diversification, a very strong franchise. Over 50% of their assets are sitting globally. Um, so a good little business, but you are very market exposed, as are the insurers. A lot of their earnings are, are come from their invested assets. Um, and so they are, quite, in some ways, they have a cyclicality about them as well. So I would suggest you would probably want to diversify a little bit in that portfolio. That would be my answer. Ah, all right. Uh, there's a question here. What does the panel think of Advertech that came out with a trading statement today? Uh, of course, looking at that trading statement, it didn't have uh, a lot of color. They just said that uh, all divisions contributed to the positive growth that we saw. Um, Alex, yeah, would you go into Advertech and does the diversification strategy help? So only a training statement, so we haven't seen the detailed results yet yeah. on the business. But from a training statement perspective, it looks good. Um, the valuation seems quite interesting. So Avitech, of course, has got uh, schooling, has got you know some of the university component, or more tertiary component rather, and then they've got the resourcing business, which locally is struggling, uh, but actually do. So we actually think it's, it's got a you know good mix of assets and it's a good business, Avitech. Mm. Um, and the education theme in South Africa, we actually also quite positive about specifically Stadio as well as Atitech. We also like, uh, you know, Kira to a lesser extent, but certainly I think that's one of the few growth themes in SA that you can play and, and where competition is really falling apart. Um, we know, you know, public ski schools in Africa is not doing well and et cetera. So, um, yeah, I think Atitech, let's wait for the deal results just to make sure there's no funnies in there, yeah. but historically generate very strong cash generate uh, earnings. There's no balance sheet to strong, uh, good management team. So I would say, yes, if you own this business, keep holding it. Yeah. And perhaps it's a buying opportunity as well. Ah, all right. Well, we have run out of time, so we have to get to your stock picks for today. Grant, what are you hanging your hat on today? So I'm going with a slightly different one. I'm going with HDFC Bank in India. Uh, I know the average viewer can't trade into India, but you can trade the listed ADR in the US. And why I like it is the, the India is now the largest economy by population, or the largest country, I should say. They're expected to grow GDP at roughly 7% a year for the next 10 years. Um, and you, you can just, there's no better way to plug into the lifeline of a company to plug, a, a country to plug into the GDP than through the financial services sector and the banking sector. HDFC Bank is essentially like the first round of India. Um, they've got a very good long-term track record, uh, a very good operator, very decent cost-to-income ratios. Um, they're trading cheaper than their long-term averages on on price-to-earnings, on price-to-book. 
Um, and if you want to play a nice macro theme diversified source of income in a high growth economy, I can think of no better way to play. So that's my pick of the day. Ah, all right. And on your side, Alex? I'm going for Oscar Consolidate or ATI. <coughs> Excuse me. So- We've got stakes yeah. in multiple business. For those who are familiar in the business, they've got obviously stakes in multiple businesses like, you know, Soho Sun, Southern Sun, Frontier, et cetera. But what's really interesting, there's a, there's a stake in the business called Impact Oil and Gas. All right. So Impact Oil and Gas has got a stake in the business, got two C blocks in, you know, in Venus in Namibia. Right. So that's potential oil drill there. So Total is, you know, at the moment spending 50% of their budget, exploration budget on this particular asset. Um, and, this, and then they've got about three drills that they're busy with there. And we should be getting results some stage Q3, Q4 this year. Now, if you re- go read through the annual report uh, of Oscar, uh, which is just re- recently, um, as CEO Johnny Copeland says that it's potential that they could actually be in a net cash position, Oscar. So this really means that this stake could be sold for, it's very difficult to speculate, but a huge amount of money. Perhaps it could even be as more than the entire market cap of Oscar. So we think it's an exceptional uh, option on the business. If it does, does disappoint, you still think the online portfolio is relatively attractive. But we think the, there's really something here, considering that Total is so busy in it. Johnny Copeland himself is buying shares. We think Hoskin is a unique opportunity in the African landscape. And the application and, you know, and we think the upside here yeah, could be really a surprise to the market. So the business that's particularly well covered by the media as well as um, most institutional investors. So as a result, it does give opportunities uh, to surprise. Yeah, all right. Well, thank you so much for your time and your analysis today, gentlemen. And that's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guest Grant Nader from Benguela Global Fund Managers and Alex Days from Umtombo Wealth. Up next, the close. Stay watching.